Welcome back to another episode of the Bonfires of Social Enterprise. My name is Rami, and I'm your host and guide here. This time, we hear from Stephen Garten, the founder and CEO of Charity Charge in Austin, Texas. Stephen discusses the moment the idea came together, along with the current and, I guess, ongoing issues of a social enterprise today. As we do over here, there's a great song at the end of this episode, so stay tuned all the way to the end. Now, Natalie Hazen has our fun fuel today. Let's see what she came up with. I'm Natalie Hazen, and I'm bringing you the fun fuel for this week's episode. Today's college students are inundated with flyers and applications promoting the latest and greatest credit card. Of course, we can go back to the 1800s when American merchants extended store credit to trusted customers. I think of all the old-style cowboy movies where the weary cowboy dismounts his horse, ties the reins around a wood fence in front of the old general store, and goes in to buy some well-needed merchandise like sarsaparilla or something. Gotta love the movies for that visual. TheWalletHub.com published an article about the history of the credit card And it was in the early 1900s that a handful of U.S. department stores and oil companies began issuing their own credit cards to be used at that particular business. Then came the Diners Club card and the American Express charge cards in 1951 and 1959, respectfully. Finally, in 1966, Bank of America launched the first general purpose credit card, the Bank AmeriCard, the forerunner to what is now Visa. Now I'm certain that there are still cowboys that dismount their horses and head into their local general store like days of old, but the stores have certainly changed and so have the credit cards. Thanks for listening to today's Fun Fuel. Now onto the episode. (laughs) Oh my goodness. I have never connected sarsaparilla with credit cards. Excellent Fun Fuel. (laughs) Natalie, you're the best. Oh my, let's drop in now to my conversation with Stephen Garten of Charity Charge. Okay, well, welcome, Stephen. Uh, you're calling in from Texas. Appreciate that. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. <laughs> yeah, so we're excited to learn about Charity Charge. Let's jump right in. What is Charity Charge? Charity Charge is a credit card that lets cardholders earn cash back that automatically gets donated to any nonprofit of their choice. So it's uh, in partnership with MasterCard. So the credit card is accepted around the world, wherever MasterCard is. And, you know, I think an easy way to, for people to think about it for context is imagine, say, a Southwest Airlines credit card where every time you use that credit card, you are earning airline miles. Uh, charity charge is similar in nature to that. It's just that every time you use it, you earn 1% cash back that's tax deductible and automatically goes to any nonprofit of your choice. Wow. So it sounds simple, but I'm sure that was not a, a simple thing to get set up with a big uh, entity like MasterCard. How did you, how did you even uh, attempt that once you had the idea? Sure. So, I mean, I'm trying to, <laughs> I'll answer it kind of in two ways because um, it's a big question, but, but hopefully in a way that also resonates with other, you know, entrepreneurs or people listening to the show, thinking of their own ideas. Um, I had been accumulating all these credit card reward points and um, come the end of the year, I went onto the bank's website to redeem them 
And, you know, I probably spent 45 minutes or so kind of scrolling through and, hey, you know, do I want this Olive Garden gift card for 25,000 points? Or maybe I should get this Samsonite briefcase, those pair of binoculars. And I was just agonizing over what to do with all my reward points. And um, I remember that, uh, you know, after a while, like I said, 45 minutes, I think or so of frustration, I just logged off and thought, I don't need more stuff. And the next thing I did is I checked my email and a local nonprofit actually in Austin where, where uh, I live and the company's headquartered now, uh, sent me an email, it was the end of year fundraising drive. And that's when it clicked. I thought, you know, I've been accumulating all this value in credit card reward points and I, um, I don't want them. And uh, I'd much rather support this nonprofit that, you know, I already love and care about. So that kind of gave me the gist of the idea. Um, but I think kind of the, the point that I'm making maybe for some people listening is that, um, it just seemed like such a big idea and I had no clue how credit cards worked or anything about the industry. I didn't know anyone in the industry. Um, you know, so one of the really practical things I just started doing is, um, you know, I leveraged Google and LinkedIn. Um, you know, I think the really cool thing about, um, entrepreneurship, you know, in 2017 is that, um, we're all connected and have access, um, to, to experts and, you know, in any business that someone wants to start, there's always people that have, you know, kind of come before them, you know, a quote that I've always loved is that, um, you know, everything great is accomplished by standing on the giants or rather standing on the shoulders of other giants. Um, so I just started reaching out and, and cold calling and cold emailing, um, credit card consultants and that started me on the path. So happy to go into the, you know, minutia of how like specifically I did it for charity charge, but, um, you know, it was definitely, um, initially just, uh, being, being willing to uh, reach out to uh, experts in the industry. You know, kind of the funny thing, I think we're, we're going to be putting up a, a, a blog post on our site and, and a blog I'm starting to kind of detail this. But, um, you know, one of the things that happened, though, when I reached out to uh, one of the top payment consultants in, uh, in the New York City area is that uh, they said, hey, we really like, you know, we like your idea. We think we can help you out. Um, they said, we're just going to send over a proposal. And um, I got a proposal for, they wanted me to pay them $250,000 just to get started for them to take me through the, the steps to, uh, you know, pitch banks and put together the, the model that I need to use and, you know, negotiate the partnership and all that stuff. So there were, uh, there were a lot of challenges along the way um, in trying to figure this thing out. And of course I didn't have $250,000. So um, I really just had to figure it out on my own. Yeah. That's a good word for everybody that happens often to us as well. You've got somebody in there. My uh, sister affectionately calls them sharks in the tank. And a lot of people stop there, don't they? You know, I think a big thing that entrepreneurial uh, endeavors teach you is, uh, a level of like just emotional intelligence and also just taking reality for what it is. Um, it could have been easy for me to just have complained and said, well, you know, these are consultants, these are sharks. They just want to charge me. The reality is, um, you know, that, that was their business. Right. And they've got, you know, their clients are like the Southwest airlines of the world that kind of set the market rates being willing to pay those, uh, you know, those enormous fees and things of that sort. Um, so I think at the time I was completely dejected. Um, I thought that there'd be no way to, to figure this whole thing out, but um, very much on the flip side of what you said there of kind of the DIY is that, um, you know, what I learned is you can get out there, 
you can connect with people as I started this conversation and get advice and all that. But at the end of the day, it, it does fall on you as an entrepreneur to actually go forward and execute. Um, you know, another, it's been a while since I thought about this experience, but um, on even this specific topic of like connecting with um, um, experts in the industry, I remember though that I, I, um, I called 17 people originally, um, you know, there were credit card consultants that I found on LinkedIn or Google and I got to number 18. The first 17 either didn't return my phone calls or if I got them on the phone within 30 seconds, you know, they rushed me off the phone and they weren't interested in talking to me. And number 18 ended up being this gentleman, um, his first name's Hunter. Uh, and he was working for a top consultant, one that I spoke with that didn't charge me. And he was super friendly and great, gave me some basic advice on a handful of calls, handful of emails. And then um, fast forward about a year later or so, he was actually hired by MasterCard to run their co-brand business development team. And that was having that relationship early on. Um, some, a guy that I cold called that I developed you know, a relationship and he had respect for me and the idea that I was working on um, was really instrumental in ultimately getting that partnership with MasterCard. Um, um, yeah, so it's just kind of all flowing out. It's funny as I think back to um, just being in my apartment with this idea and, and trying to figure it out you know, a handful of years ago. It's just helpful to go back to those humble beginnings and, and draw people's attention to, yeah, we all have to walk through some of these awkward early steps, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, I agree with everything you just said. I think that, um, you know, a quote that uh, had really resonated with me at the time, um, I think I was like watching a video that Tony, a Tony Robbins video on YouTube or something. And um you know, he, he said something to the effect of, uh, you know, most people quit because they say they've tried everything, but they've, you've tried everything that has, doesn't work. So, you know, oh. <laughs> we keep, we keep, you know and my, my uncle uh, said to me once, uh, you know, and he was relating to kind of like when I was originally moved to Austin, I was looking for a job and I was having trouble, you know, finding any place that would hire me and like kept going on interviews and not getting, not getting hired and stuff. And he said, you know, it's just a game, you know, you pull a lot of blanks out of the bag and eventually one of them is going to be live. So, you know, you got to take a lot of shots. That's good advice. So let's talk about what Charity Charge has become now. So I graduated college in 2008 um, and um, moved to Austin in uh, 2010. But uh, we, we officially launched the company in um, June of 2016. So it's been about you know, 15 months or 14 or 15 months now. So let's dive in. What's, uh, and so we're recording this in the end of summer, 2017, just about September. So what's, what's happening right now with Charity Charge? Yeah. So we've got, you know, a couple of exciting kind of new products and things around the corner, um, that I, that I'm going to go into, but, you know, I would start with just saying that the first year was, um, to say the least, very overwhelming. Um, you know, when we launched, um, I was not ex quite expecting the reception. Um, it was another thing that I've kind of proved the doubters wrong. Um, and I was the most surprised by anyone, I think. But uh, when we launched, Today Show picked us up and Fast Company and Huffington Post and a lot of other, you know, national news outlets like that. So we were really you know, overwhelmed with demand, but also at the same time, you know, as a, as an entrepreneur, when you're starting a new enterprise, 
you're trying to figure out, get your processes in place and your team in place and understand, um, you know, how you can scale your business model. So the past year was, uh, you know, getting our feet underneath of ourselves and really figuring out, you know, ways that we can scale so that we can make impact. I think that the, the really cool thing about charity charge and kind of how I think about it is it's really a tool for giving, right? I mean, we've, we at charity charge have created this, this credit card that's, that's really going into an industry that, um, you know, in total 31% of consumers never ever redeem their reward points. So that's $16 billion a year that ultimately flows back to the credit card companies. They call that breakage. They, they really hide that from um, cardholders and consumers, but on the credit card industry side of things, these big banks, um, you know, they create and market these, these credit cards that on the surface seem to have really rich um, rewards and, you know, bonus points and all of that stuff. But then they purposely create, you know, things like blackout dates or um, certain point thresholds you need to accrue towards in order to redeem it for, you know, that gift card or that level of cash back. Um, so they, that billions of dollars, um, you know, flows back. So a charity charge, what we do is, um, cardholders earn 1%, but they pick their nonprofits up front, any nonprofit in the United States, including K through 12 schools, churches, et cetera, so that it automatically flows to the nonprofits. We have no breakage in our model. And, um, I'm kind of going on this rant because, I think that, um, you know, we've just got such a great opportunity that we really wanted to figure out how we could scale it um, because, um, you know, we see this one day, you know, redirecting billions of dollars every year back to nonprofits, which, you know, goes along with our mission, which is more profits for nonprofits. Oh, I love it. I love it. And how are you able to track how many dollars have been redeemed or sent out to the nonprofits? sort of through the summer of 2017? Uh, yeah. I mean, we're, we're fortunate that we're able to uh, track all, tr track all of that. There's some things, you know, with our agreements with MasterCard and the bank right now that preclude us from sharing like really intimate details about that. But uh, we're working on um, figuring out some ways that we can be more transparent about our impact um, as the company. Yeah. So let's, let's land on that for a minute. Uh, it is often that you might have some uh, relationship issues or things that you can't disclose. How are you overcoming the, the impact statements? Everyone's interested in, you know, reported impact and the accountability of that. Are you able to report out any, any portion of that? Or, or how, are, how are you addressing that with your key stakeholders that are attracted to you because of the potential dollar impact that you might be making sure well well one thing just to be really clear um for the people that are actually card holders they're able to at any point in time log into their donation dashboard and track and see what they've earned so from a cardholder's perspective you know full transparency there and then for you know our nonprofits that are benefiting it from it you know individually you know we provide a report to them and let them know you know how much they've earned and things of that sort um and, uh, but we, you know, we want to be more public, uh, kind of an outspoken of our impact. So, um, you know, we're working through some things now. I, I would say this, I mean, it's probably not the politically correct answer, but, you know, I think in entrepreneurship, it's, and, and it's something that I do every day at the company and will continue to do, um, is, uh, <laughs> you got to excuse me, Rami, I'm blanking on the, 
That's all right. You know, what do they say? Like, ask questions later? Or, or, uh, oh, yeah, and apologize later. Do it and apologize. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, no, we'll, we'll be working to be kind of more, you know, outwardly transparent. But for anyone that's actually involved in the company, if you're a cardholder, you know, there's full transparency to the cardholders and then um, complete transparency to the nonprofits that are on the receiving end. Stephen, have you had any, uh, I don't know, any pushback from the industry because – of this breakage issue that you talked about, that's a lot of dollars sitting on the sidelines. Have you, um, um, I mean, you're a disruptor, right? We, we go, we'll just call it that because you're doing the right, well, I think you're doing the right thing, disruptor, but sometimes people don't like it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that we're, we're trying to be, you know, I think disruption is such a, is such a big word, um, you know, in companies at scale, like a, a Tesla or someone like that have done it. Um, you know, we're trying to get there, right? We need, we need more cardholders. We need more people that, you know, whether it's, you know, just choosing to add charity charge to their wallet, you know, they, they might want to use their other cards for different times, but even if it's 10% of the time, even if it's just to buy gas or it's, you know, buy, when you dine out with friends, add charity charge to your wallet so you can feel good and do good in those times that you want to give back. That's kind of my message one or my little plug there to be a little shameless. But, uh, you know, for us to actually get to that point where we're truly disrupting and sending billions of dollars back collectively to, to nonprofits in need. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that um, we're a public benefit corporation, you know, mission first, right? And that goes counter to banks, right? And it's not, you know, I can't say that it's a bad thing. I think that they're the rules that they're playing in and the sandbox of how they're judged is just different than ours, right? If you're if you're Bank of America or your Chase, Capital One, City, et cetera, these, you know, labeled, quote, too big to fail banks, um, they're corporations. And the, you know, legal definition of a corporation is that it exists to serve, um, you know, its shareholders and it exists to maximize profits. Um, so, um, you know, I, I think that there needs to be, you know, in the starting, right? I mean, we we elected to become a public benefit corporation. And, you know, the whole point of, you know, a lot of your work is dealing with in social enterprise. Um, we really need a consciousness shift, um, you know, amongst leaders and CEOs. And, um, you know, something that I was asked early on when we were, you know, initially trying to raise capital for this were, you know, investors would say, well, what happens when Bank of America decides to do this or Capital One? And at first, I really didn't have an answer. And then I got some really great advice from um, the CEO of a social enterprise uh, that actually raised money on Shark Tank from Damon John called uh, Bombas. And um, um, he told me that, uh, you know, that they all should. You know, he would get to ask that question about, you know, well, you're, you're creating this one-for-one -one sock company. Um, what happens when Nike does decide to do it? And his answer was, they should. Why, why aren't they doing it? You know, so that's kind of my answer. So, you know, it may turn out that my contribution is that, you know, the rest of the industry says we should all try to maximize profits for nonprofits and get into this game. I don't think they will based on their, um, you know, they're already fat and happy. And like I said before, you know, the sandbox they live in has predefined rules um, and they play by those rules to, uh, to appeal to their shareholders. Um, but uh, in going on this kind of this uh, this uh, this rant here, um, you know, uh, how awesome would it be if the rest of the industry changed and, and followed our lead? Right, right. There's always the threat of doing good, and then there's those that are taking some action steps to attempt it. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> I always used to say early on, people did that to us a lot too. They said, oh, gosh, Rami, you know, what if this big dog or that big firm or whatever decides to do what you're doing? Or what if they steal your stuff? It's like, well, then I'm an influencer, right? Then I'd be amazed if they... <laughs> that good happened and you know we'll go on to something else if it actually takes us out of the scene but you know actually people have good intentions but there's not a whole lot that followed up with action and uh unfortunately that you know so uh, i'd love it to be the other way i'm in total agreement with you it'd be better if we all did something good and you leading the way is just one role modeling one way to do it and so we congratulate you for it and that's a good attitude to have helps everybody play nice in the sandbox <laughs> thank you i appreciate that i also think that you know to be candid and that's why i shared the story of it wasn't until i met um the uh the founder of bombas that uh you know i kind of took on that um really internalized took on that mentality but i think it's also just being practical and realistic about it um you know, if you come up with a good business model and you execute well, uh, people are going to follow suit. Um, but, you know, again, agreeing with you here, uh, that is a really cool thing about social enterprise is that it's mission first. And so if other people copy your business model, then the net effect is it's just going to be doing more good in the world. Yeah. And we're a we have a lot of a lot of people on deck in this world here. We're in, you know, we're not a couple hundred thousand of a population that everybody has to share. You know, we're a big group of folks right now. So there's enough to go around. And I say, you know, I like your abundance mentality. The more the merrier, you know. Yeah, I also think, uh, and, and building on that, I think having the right, um, you know, mentality about life. Um, because it's really, you can, and I lived for a while in a state of fear and worry and someone's going to steal the idea and someone's going to beat me to market and do it. And what a terrible place to live. I mean, live mentally, live in your head. It was awful when I look back on those kind of early years of being just a, a scared entrepreneur. Um, right. So it's just, yeah, I mean, I would tell everyone like, Please, please, because I think that's the big thing, and some some people are starting to talk about it more, but, um, you know, it's not addressed enough about the, you know, depression and the isolation that comes with entrepreneurship. I think the Shark Tanks of the world and the Inc. magazines have really tried to glorify it, um, but it's a very, and it can be, if you let it, an extremely lonely um, and depressing um, process uh, that, that, that can really get to you. Yeah, that's a good word. That's so true. I find, I'd be curious to see if you find this to be true, Stephen, as a benefit corporation. We even, the social enterprise, I think in general, attracts a lot of even celebrity level uh, attention. And so people assume that you are surrounded by a tribe, if you will, of support. And it's actually quite the opposite. Um, it's really this extra thing that happens with social entrepreneurs. Um, very, like you said, today's show, you know, top celebrities, they're swooping in all the time. And I know here in Detroit, this is happening regularly. And it's almost, um, not that that's not a value, but the question is, gosh, I need them to buy our products. We, we're a business at the end of the day. We're a story, but we are a business that unless people are buying our products and services, we can't be sustainable 
What are your thoughts on this sort of extra attention that happens? So, yeah, I think this is a big, 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 big problem with, um, you know, social enterprise, Republic Benefit Corporation, B Corps, you know, all the stuff that falls under that, that bucket, that umbrella. It's that um, first and foremost, as an entrepreneur starting out, when you have just the concept and the idea, um, you know, for example, what I was trying to do, it's very hard to get an honest and direct answer. Okay. Um, if you're just saying, and I'm not knocking anyone that's coming up with a new photo sharing app, but if you just say, Hey, I have this new app for a photo share and you apply for accelerators, or you talk to people, you know, they're going to be honest with you. They're going to say your app sucks, or I like your app or that change this feature or whatever. But if you come out and say, Hey, I have this idea. I want to help nonprofits. I want to give back money. I want to get people to be more philanthropic. Let's help charity. Nobody wants to tell you that it's a bad idea, right? People would rather <laughs> pat you on the back, even if they think it's a shitty idea, excuse my language. Yeah. But at any rate, I think that's a real challenge, you know, first and foremost in entrepreneurship uh, or social entrepreneurship rather is to, um, you know, a, you know, talk to people that you trust. And I think almost preface it, say, I know that it's easy for you just to pat me on the back, but please poke holes in this. Please be honest about the challenges that you see. I think now, so that's in the concept phase and that's the challenge that I face. Then what you're talking about is when you actually get into market, um, look, it was awesome that Today Show covered us, you know, but it was a feel good story and God bless them. I love it. I never take it back. And I, if anyone at the Today Show is listening, I'd love to be on as a guest. So I don't want this to come across the wrong way. Um, but, you know, it's a feel-good story for them, right? They get mm -hmm. to plug it, this credit card, it gives back to charity. It's something new. It's unique. But it doesn't mean that just because we were on the Today Show that the next day a million people signed up for the card and we were an overnight success. Right. Uh, you know, quite the opposite, actually. And so um, um, I think that, you know, as a, as a social enterprise, it's easy to get – it can be easier – to get that press because you've, you've new, you're now in market, you've got that feel good. People want to cover it. You're giving back to charity. You're doing good, whatever your one for one or your, you know, your business model is. Um, and, and you gotta be, you gotta be very weary. That's why, you know, we've really practically been thinking a lot. We're about to update, do a whole new overhaul on our website. Um, we've really kind of got back to the drawing board of how do we, you know, message out in a simpler and cleaner way. Um, you know, how, how do we get more cardholders engaged in what we're doing? You know, one of the things that we've kind of found um, was that, and, and it was the way I was pitching it, because obviously I'm the, I'm the founder of this company. I use Charity Charge for everything. Um, you know, and I wanted everyone to use it for everything. But the reality is, you know, people have on average three to four credit cards in their wallet. Um, some of those, you know, they, they really like the benefit of the airline miles. But you know, for example, you know, what we found with a lot of consumers is that, you know, they'll get a credit card. They, they really get the value out of it when they're using it, say, for the categories where it earns them, you know, 3x or 2x points. But in those opportunities where they're not getting bonus points, say it's just that 1% um, at the random coffee shop or the gas station or whatever category their card, you know, only earns a base level of points. You know, Charity Charge is a great opportunity for them to add it to the wallet, get the benefit of the tax deductibility. And again, even if it's just 10% of the time they're using it, you know, they get the opportunity to do good and feel good. And so, um, so, you know, that's kind of the practical side of how we've kind of had to also get back to the drawing board and figure out how to, how to really message our product and make sure it's understood by, 
you know, card holders that um, maybe don't want to give up all of their points, but, but do want to be able to give back um, at certain times. Well, I love what you're saying there, Stephen, because to me, that's the hallmark of a good social entrepreneur is making sure you're staying focused on, on sort of the bonfire, your business, the engine of your business. You know, it's why we're called bonfires, the social enterprise on this podcast, because we're always trying to draw the attention to the engine of the business and making sure your product is high quality. So you're not asking for a mercy pass on the quality of your business. I love that you are diving in and making sure your business is great uh, because it is a symptomatic issue of a lot of social entrepreneurs. Yeah, well, awesome. So let's, uh, let's talk to you about um, your team a little bit. Uh, were there any things that surprised you and the types of talent that you were going to need once you got in and got going? Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, early on, I was in this concept and kind of ideation phase of trying to get the partnerships uh, set up with MasterCard and, you know, our eventual uh, credit card issuer, which is Commerce Bank. And, you know, I think it's, it's, the challenge is it's hard to forecast, you know, exactly which direction your business is going to go in and be able to really look down, you know, a couple of years out when you're thinking of like co-founders or kind of early employees of what skill set do you need? Um, and quite frankly, where I've, um, and I, I've been, been, uh, you know, kind of burned by some people or some mentors and, um, you know, I've kind of learned that the hard way. Um, and I've also, um, you know, gotten a lot out of, you know, other people that were more just, uh, kind of jack of all trades. Cause I, I think that it's, you're always iterating and figuring out your market. I mean, even a practical thing such as how do you know before you launch, you know, you don't know yet what's going to scale in, ter in terms of customer acquisition. So, um, it would be ridiculous before you launch and have done any testing in customer acquisition to go, okay, well, we're just going to do everything through Facebook. So I got to get an expert that can market in Facebook. Maybe it's PR that's going to work really well. So you need someone in that. So I've just found having like people that are, that are smart and young and, um, you know, kind of jack of all trades that can roll up their sleeves and, and just get stuff done. You know, our, um, our first employee uh, is uh, a woman named Alexandra. Um, I hired her. She was interning for us. Um, and then I hired her right out of uh, 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 college. Uh, she went to the University of Texas. She came on board last year. And she's just such a quick learner and, like, able to just get stuff done. You know, and that's the biggest thing that we've needed. Um, but she's done everything from, um, from you know, PR to coding on our website to customer service to – you know, building out Salesforce for us and so many other things. So, uh, you know, I think my advice or what I've just learned is just try to find people that are flexible and smart and nimble. Right. Good character, good attitude, right? Well, absolutely. Yeah, that comes right. first. So what are you uh, excited about these days when you, well, if you let yourself dream big with the truth that you know of the moment, <laughs> the way the facts present themselves this morning? Yeah, I mean, I'm really just excited about the how large this market is and the opportunity in front of us. Um, you know, we've already had success, you know, directly working with um, nonprofits, for example. Whole Planet Foundation is one I love to talk about because, um, you know, they, they reached out to us. We gave them a little, which, and we do this for any nonprofit. If there's any nonprofits listening that want to partner with us, um, we don't charge them anything. Um, it's completely free for the nonprofits, but we give them a little fundraising page. 
um, that they can share out to their supporters. So Whole Planet Foundation shared that out. Um, they already have, um, you know, over 20 card holders. Um, they've already raised thousands of dollars. Um, so when I see how easy it is, you know, for just individual nonprofits that are engaging with us, um, I know that it's just a matter of, you know, time for us to just work closer with more and more nonprofits and, and be able to fulfill this mission of, you know, creating a, a, a community of cardholders that are redirecting at scale billions of dollars um, every year back to nonprofits. So it sounds, Stephen, like that's one way uh, listeners could support you by introducing you to uh, nonprofits or foundations that have networks that they could help promote the card. They could be some uh, a version of an ad hoc sales force almost for you. Does that sound? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we love, you know, nonprofit introductions. Um, my email is just even at charitycharge.com with a PH. So S T E P H E N um, at charitycharge.com. Um, you know, another great way is if anyone's listening and, and just wants to become a card holder, you can, Apply for your card at charitycharge.com. Um, we've already got every nonprofit in the U.S. listed, so you'll be able to search and find your nonprofit. And, um, you know, that's a great way to kind of get in the mix and start giving back. Well, that would be great. We encourage all the listeners to uh, jump on, find out more about Charity Charge. Stephen, what, um, what is the website maybe and other places they might find you on social media? Yeah, so across all social media platforms, we're simply at Charity Charge. Um, I'm personally on Twitter a bit at Stephen Garten with a PH and then, uh, charitycharge.com is our website. And, uh, you know, look, I encourage people to reach out to me too. If they have questions or want to talk, it's just Stephen at charitycharge.com with a PH. Stephen, thank you so much for being so, uh, real and open and encouraging to all the other social entrepreneurs out there and over the world that's listening to the podcast. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. No, thank you so much, Rami, for having me on. Thanks to Steven and his growing team for all you're doing as an innovator in the financial credit space. We appreciate your determination to get the social organizations the funding they need. Great causes and change can require great resources. So turning to resources, let me resource all of you right now with some cool music by the Detroit artist curated by our friends at Assemble Sound in Detroit. Here is artist Hiker with the song Rhino. Until next time, keep those bonfires burning.